Hi everyone, welcome to episode 13 of the Built Broadcast podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to be discussing, should we keep building lecture theatres? Um, but first, before we start, everyone's just going to introduce themselves. James. Hi, I'm James. I am Associate Professor of Sustainable Design and a Built Fellow. I'm Sally. Uh, I'm a Professor of Education and I am a Built uh, Deputy Director. Hi, I'm Toby. I'm a third year biology student and I am one of the new Built Student Fellows for this year. Well, okay, so I just want to kick off this whole thing by asking everyone, should we keep building lecture theatres? Yes or no? James, yes or no? No. Sally? I'm on the bench. It's a yes or a no. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Toby? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So let's start with the yeses. Why? I think there's still a, I mean, there are so many ways to teach. And one way of teaching is to transfer information. But I think that with lecture theatres, we historically have always had it be a one-way transmission. One lecturer and a whole bank of students listening. And there hasn't been any interaction between the lecturer and the students or between the students. In modern lecture theatres, there are many more opportunities for interaction. So for example, some of the new lecture theatres being built in Bristol now actually have what's called turn and learn. So that students are still look as though they're sitting in a row, but the seats actually swivel and they can actually have conversations with the people next to them and the people behind them. In that way, you can turn a lecture, instead of being one one long monologue, into a series of perhaps short presentations and then uh, joint collaboration between students and with the lecturer. Toby, go on, let's have your thoughts. Um, yeah, I guess m- my thought was on this slightly different line, which was just things that um, I think for um, for studying and for, for undergraduate subjects, I think you could start building lecture theatres, but I was thinking more in terms of getting guest speakers in, um, people on um, sort of visit days and things like that. There are still opportunities when it's really important to be able to have a huge space and be able to present to a lot of people at once. And some of my favourite lectures that I've been to have been guest speakers, so I think for that reason I'd quite like lecture theatres to still exist. But, um, yeah, that's... That's a very good point, to be fair. <laughs> um, if we, James and I, last year, last um, January, we went to go and visit Northampton. And if anyone doesn't know, they've just built a new campus called Waterside. And they've actually... I say they haven't built any. They've built one lecture theatre, and it's specifically for the purpose of having guest lecturers come in. But aside from that, they haven't got any. None of their teaching takes place in their lecture environment and it's all you know active collaborative blended learning um and it works well it works so far um i think it's a bit early to to have any evidence about long-term outcomes and things like that but yeah they've they've managed to do it james Um, why no why no uh so my my position is not really around education but just the fact that we need to stop building full stop Uh, around kind of the climate crisis and actually we just need to reconsider how we use buildings and it's not that I I actually love lecture theatres and I think they're amazing I'm a a, for all the wrong reasons and I might explain why later (laughs) Um, but um, 
but I think we just have enough. I don't think we need more and more in, in, in Bristol. I think there probably is enough. And actually what we need to do is rethink our strategy around reusing existing space. We've got a lot of old, tired lecture theatres which could be refurbished mm -hmm. and reused rather than kind of... And I think as a society, this is nothing to do with just us as a university, as a society, we are actually addicted to building new things and having the new thing that feels new and it kind of... Um, you know, it has our fingerprints on it and we've kind of put into the design, but actually in terms of the environment, we can't just keep doing that. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't think about that. I think that's a really, really good point, actually. Mm. I mean, I agree with you on, on all the environmental issues and things. I also am aware that the university keeps growing in yes. lots of different ways. Yes. And where, though there is a lot of space that could be refurbished, a lot of it could not. Yes. Um, and we're stuck then with the estate we're in. Mm -hmm. In the square I'm in, you can't because of mm. uh, you know all the restrictions that the city puts on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the same with areas around Woodland Road and Priory Road. It's very, very difficult to bit to to modify. Um, and in that sense, and with the growing university, then there are issues I think about whether or not we need to build whether we're building the right space mm -hmm. is a slightly different issue yes I think that there are all kinds of issues around how people teach and how people learn yes and we haven't had that conversation among staff never mind with students mm -hmm. to really have them really reflect on how they learn best and therefore how we ought to build a teaching and learning environment that yes. encompasses everything and the range of the way disciplines uh, work. Mm. Yeah. So, Toby, as a student, if you came into a lecture, do you have any lectures in these turn and learn spaces at the moment? Um, we've had a couple in Ivy Gate, which I guess isn't quite turn and learn, but it's, it's individual tables as opposed to rows, so it's not quite the same, but it's not a traditional lecture theatre, I suppose, but other than that. Are they the ones with the kind of plectrum-shaped tables? Yeah, it's yeah, kind of like in almost this setup, and then uh, like just a table with a screen, and then there's a big screen at the front, and there's about twenty or so of these four to eight-person tables okay. around it. Yeah, and they're timetabled for lecture sessions. They're timetabled for teaching. I don't know. I don't know how they made the distinction between lecturing and or other kinds of teaching. Okay, but it can be used as a lecture. It can be used for group work. Mm. Mm. Have you found that it's impacted the way that teaching is done using those spaces? Um, I think for us, not particularly. I think, um, if I'm honest, when we've used them, I think it's been that's been an available space. I don't think it's necessarily been they've chosen to use that space mm. because they had a, a name for it. Um, I personally actually did enjoy my lectures in there a little bit more. I think even if they didn't intend to, the lecturers ended up having to walk around the room a bit more and sort of talk to us a little bit more. Um, and yeah, it did. It felt different to a lecture. Maybe it was just because it was something yeah. new. But um, mm. I did. I did quite like it. But yeah, it wasn't. We. It wasn't like a discussion lecture or anything like that. It was just sort of a normal lecture delivered in a slightly different way. Mm. So what we often see in spaces like that, those are the blade desks that we installed into Ivy Gate. Print almost in a bit of an experiment. There were some teaching staff who were really eager to get in them to exploit the technology of students doing group work using uh, the screens at, at each table, yeah. which can then be displayed at the main screen. But we also knew that there would be some staff using it for 
more of a lecture thing. But we did anticipate, and I'm delighted with what you said, <laughs> because it sounds that we did anticipate that even if you were doing a lecture in that physical space, that you might begin to change some of your practices over time because students were sitting around looking at each other, not just looking at the instructor. And it would encourage more group work or more collaborative thinking. Which kind of fundamentally then leads to the, a conversation around does physical space change the way people teach? Mm. Which, which I think it does. And I think we should be, in engineering, at the moment we've got quite a lot of flatbed teaching spaces, which are great, but everyone puts them in lecture theatre format and, and we're really frustrated that if you want to teach in a way which is collaborative and group working, you're penalised because you then have to reorder that space at the beginning and then put it back to lecture theatre mode at the end. And we're, we're kind of wanting to challenge that and say, actually, all these spaces should be orientated so that they are in group discussion. Yeah. And if you absolutely have to deliver a lecture in that space and you can't think of another way of delivering it, then you should move the furniture around, not the other way around. And I think that's right. I think there are discussions going on both with uh, people in estates as well as porters and all mm. the people in buildings who somehow get landed with having to move things. But it does suggest that if we have more furniture that is easy to move around, the job becomes easier for everyone. Yes. Anthony Beckett did a wonderful um, seminar uh, last year on rethinking space. And he uses the, the time that, that it takes for the students and himself to rearrange a room as part of the learning. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, nice. And mm -hmm. that's, that would be another way. Now, many of us see that as, oh God, that's separate. But this could be a way of, of mm. for, for us all to think about how does the very fact that everyone is engaged in moving furniture around change and encourage them to think about what they want and need in terms of an environment. Yes. I, I guess one of the pressures, though, with my engineering, civil engineering hat on is all, all of this stuff is brilliant, but actually it takes more, it just requires more physical space. So even if our student body stayed at exactly the same size it is now, if we want to change the way we deliver all our teaching and make it much more discussion based and all of those things, we need more space. And that, that is a real, there is a real pressure and a real push and pull on that. That there absolutely is. I mean, when you look at active learning, the uh, they have a, you know a square meterage per student mm. in the room, and that's quite a lot bigger than if you're having the square meterage for a straight lecture theater, yeah. mm. and and that's the issue that we're having, for example, with looking at the new builds. And you think, okay, so they're going to be. I don't know, 30 students in a room. So 30 students times three squared meters means you need a room of what size? And that gets made smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm. Uh, and that then means that either you need to reduce the number of students or you are making the furniture much more con conventional. Yes. I suppose there is, or maybe not another option, but a, a potential solution to that is um, whether you perhaps reduce the face-to-face -face teaching time and make it kind of more effective in a shorter period of time and then replace some of that with digital stuff because mm -hmm. you don't need as much space yep. for digital stuff. So if you could have a, instead of a two-hour lecture, you have a one-hour condensed lecture in one of those spaces, then you've got 
that hour to use for something else in terms of the yeah. new for the space and then that the students can go off and be given digital material or something else yeah. to do yeah. that's still guided and still valuable but um, mm. maybe yeah. not in the same space and then that that's sort of a way of getting around it maybe exactly bringing in elements of blended or blended learning or flipped classrooms and things could be really really good and it also would encourage people to again depending on how it's set up for students to work collaboratively yeah. Uh, yeah. doing activities or mm -hmm. understanding concepts or building whatever um, and in that sense that would be a really interesting way forward and I think um, something that we're talking about more and more is using the city as a learning space as well you know going out into yeah. Bristol and using that as part of the, the learning activity and mm. um, how so just on Toby's point there talking about lectures and something that's definitely come about since I was a student is replay you know media site recorded lectures how is that having an impact on our lecture theatres one thing I know for sure is attendance has gone down and is that a good thing or is that a bad thing I don't know if attendance has gone down because attendance was always low in some areas oh really mm. okay yeah and that, that's mm. I mean that's one of the frustrations I guess with my sustainability hat on again the reality is probably a lot of our lectures, which maybe we need a space for 400 students, if only half of those 400 students turn yeah. up, we're actually building these monster lecture theatres, which right. have huge amounts of embodied yep. carbon, and then they're not really being fully yeah. utilised. Yeah. But at the same time, we can't book a room for 200 people, because if 400 people oh, do turn up, we're, yep. that that's so. not okay either. So it's and, problematic. Yeah, and I think, you know, Replay has uh, a, a significant role to play. Mm. Um, and it's it may be great for lectures, again that one mono, that monologue going mm. out, but it isn't as as able to pick up questions or if there is group work going on in the middle, then it's 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 not helpful at all. I think the other thing is is we're still trying to understand more fully how replay is being used by students. We know it's used massively just before exams. Yeah. We know that our international students use it as a way of, not. I mean, I presume, understanding the actual lecture, but also to help them improve their English. So okay. there are different uses of replay being used, I think, at different times. I don't know, Toby, I mean, as the only student here, what do you think? I suppose it's, it's hard to say... Um, you know, across the university because biology is very specific and there are different subjects will, I'm sure, use it for different ways. Um, for us, I suppose, because most of our content is delivered through lectures, it, it's mostly just a revision tool. Generally, you'll try and go to the lecture in the first place. You'll make maybe some rough notes, but obviously some of the lecturers yeah. speak fast. Some of them you just can't keep up. And then either later later in that week, maybe you, you'll finish up your notes and then when it comes to revision, you can watch it over, pick up anything you missed yeah. on and, and kind of make your notes again. Um, or if for whatever reason you don't want to go to the lecture or you can't go to the lecture, you can just watch it again afterwards and you haven't really missed anything. Um, I would say generally when it's just a straight lecture. And I think, um, I mean, the papers I've read on it suggest that the first reason that you gave there is absolutely the best use of lecture capture, that you attend the lecture, you watch it, but if you get stuck or if you miss something or if there's something that's maybe a bit more complicated and you need to go over it again, being able to watch back is really powerful. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is what I would always encourage students to do. So James, can I ask you a question? Because yeah. you're, you're, you're using lecture capture in some of your teaching, I presume. Uh, yeah, some of it. Okay. So w do you think you make a difference in the delivery 
Um, so that I mean, maybe. Do you think? I mean, <laughs> could you just could you just record your lectures sitting in your office and put it up on replay? Would Would you even need to have the physical lecture take place? Um, do you know that's a very good question? Um, I think I could probably just do it in my office, but. Uh, all of my teaching is um, quite interactive. So there will be a 20 minute section of, right, this is some content, yeah. and then there'll be a, a break and I'll give them a problem to work on, or there'll, there'll be a, you know, a question to think about, and then potentially I will either go around the room and assist people with it, or something that we, we like to do is, um, you'll give them a problem and you'll break it into chunks, and they'll do a bit together, and then you come back together and yeah. talk about how it went and what they could have yeah. done, and all of that so it, it is much more interactive i think the the the, the talk content that bit could be done off stream and actually so I, i'm teaching a unit um this term where i am effectively using flipped teaching mm -hmm. so my students are going to come and work for me for a day a week in an office environment and all of the talk content is in the form of um, some film, I've recorded some derivation type, well, calculations. There's notes that they can read, there's articles that they can read. And then when they come to work, I'm not expecting them to spend the first two hours in receive mode. I'm expecting them to come ready to tackle some problems. Yep. I've got a number of real life projects I'm going to get them to work on so that by the end of each day, they'll, they'll have achieved something and learn a huge amount yep. at the same time. And then in that way, when they are coming to ask me questions, I'm not using my time to explain the very basics, but yeah. I'm working out where are they stuck and I'm helping them to un yeah. get unstuck. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah I mean, fun. I mean, I also am a very interactive teacher and I, and I, I have to say that uh, for me, replay doesn't really work because of it's always the give and take and mm. it's working with individuals or small groups of students throughout. So I'm, it's not, it has never felt a useful tool to me mm. for my teaching, which isn't to say that I haven't had uh, a bank of audio recorders in front of me from many of my international students yeah. who are trying to capture enough of what I say because of my accent and yeah. the material I'm teaching. Mm. Okay. Whereas I think maybe in engineering, so like I will work, go through a worked example or something like yeah. that, which actually is very useful for the students. And that's the sort of thing for this unit. I've actually thought, well, I don't need to do that live in front of them. I can do that beforehand, record it, release it to them on Blackboard, and then they can watch it at their own pace and, and work out where things are going. So for anyone who's listening who... Um who has most of their teaching timetabled in these big lecture theatres that don't have any built-in space for interactivity. Are, are there any pointers you could give to make things a bit more active in there? For the, for the instructors or the oh, students? For the, for the instructors. I mean, for students can suggest things, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, it, you know, it, it, again, it depends partly on the disciplines, but I think there are ways to... Uh, ask students questions and get them talking, even if it's only speaking to the people right next to them if they're in a, a traditional lecture theater, uh, and or things like that, or introducing other kinds of, uh, you know, system res uh, student response systems and things like that. So the clicker system, mm -hmm. so that you can get some feedback uh, direct, not just the faces or the mm -hmm. people asleep or whatever. <laughs> um, but I think it's you know it takes 
when you're lecturing like that, you have to also be open to having tangential questions coming in. Mm. And that uh, is sometimes quite tricky depending on what pressure you as an instructor feel in terms of what you're teaching and the confidence you have in what you're teaching and things like that. But, you know, that's what I would say. Okay. I, mean, I, I think there are a few simple tricks, aren't there? Just things like I try and always greet my students in the first week so that they actually, rather than hiding behind the, the, the lectern and kind of trying to sort out my USB and logging in, I try and get there a little bit earlier so that I can be by the front door and actually welcome them in. And it's just about trying to create levels of human connection. And then okay. if you pause in the lecture and ask a question, uh, I, I, there's always a fun game where you can count in your head and just see how high you can get. Because what happens is people don't actually stop. They ask a question and if there isn't an instant response, they just carry on talking. Whereas actually, if you count to 10, by the time you get to 10, someone would have volunteered some information. I can guarantee it. <laughs> but it's being comfortable with that silence and that, yeah. that requires confidence. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Okay, Toby, is there anything you would like to see in your lectures? Um, I'm not sure. I suppose it's difficult. I'd, I'd say with the, the sort of interactivity things, and I think trying to to think of a reason to do it rather than just doing it as say a gimmick or because that's what you need to get it especially okay. because um we, we i suppose the students we, we really appreciate the effort if if lecturers are starting to bring in interactive elements but it does sometimes feel like they've just written at this point in the note add interactive element to this in the, in the <laughs> script they've written um especially you know if someone's sort of just talking along in a monotone and then just suddenly stops and asks you a question and the question's just whatever's on the next slide like uh, it, it needs to it needs to feel a bit more authentic and I think maybe be a question that's going to push you outside of the lecture content. So, you know, maybe bringing in like uh, for, for us in biology, it's quite a good way of bringing in sustainability issues and or, yeah. or bringing in questions yeah. about Bristol and making us apply the knowledge rather than just asking the students who've done the pre-reading who then can just yes. parrot that off because yeah. the question is just a knowledge question rather than a, yeah. a question that's going to spark debate and things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it has to be activity for, not oh. for activity's sake, it has to Absolutely. be relevant. It has to be real. But everyone's agreed that there is a space for the transfer of knowledge, in quotation marks, you know, the, the, the passive recipient of, recipients of knowledge as part of a, well, a I programme think of study. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't call them passive. You can be an active listener, an mm. active participant. And that is, you're listening, but you are using that information to promote your own thinking or to question or whatever. And that, to me, is quite different from just sitting there and mm. letting it, it wash over you. Mm. It's one thing, actually, um, just sort of going back to what we were saying about replay earlier, um, that maybe is not, not sort of thought about with replay, but um, one of the fantastic things about replay is that um, if... A lecturer makes a really interesting point or something you don't have to worry if you want to just google that and then have a look and look up something or mm -hmm. yep. you know have a quick yep. conversation quietly with yep. the person next to you because you know you can just come back and grab whatever they were saying afterwards later yeah. so have, have being able to be a bit more active knowing that you've got that backstop is is really good for, for me yeah. mm. that's yeah, a good that's really point true. yeah okay so is everyone still on their original um original statement james you think yeah no, no more? I, I am 
I absolutely am. I, I love lectures and I love lecturing and it's my... In fact, you love performing. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm feeling really sad at the moment because I'm not doing any lectures this term because oh, I've really? flipped all my teaching, which oh. I think will be better for the students, but it's not so good for me. I really love it. <laughs> um, but, I, but I do think, um, and I, it, it, it is a really big task, but I, I think if we are going to lead on sustainability, we have to just start to rethink mm. how we do things. And I think we need to question and building stuff not and it really isn't just us as a university that is us as a society that that really is a big question for us across the UK really Sally and Toby you still think yes I I think there's a there's a role but I it is having that interactivity to me that's critical and whether that's physically built in or whether that's about building things into the lecture plan yep exactly Toby? I think she, um, she made a really, really good point, which um, I, again, hadn't thought of, um, that having the university having space to bring in the community is, is really, really important. Um, I think if you start to have too many spaces that are just designed for students, then it becomes really difficult to, um, to yeah. sort of expand out into the community and, and the university becomes very isolated. Um, and it's the sort of ivory tower thing, isn't it? Yeah. So that, yeah, I, that, that really struck with me. So I think, again, yeah. for, for maybe purposes... <laughs> for purposes outside of um, outside of, of teaching lecture theatres are important but yeah I would like to see them reduced in their use within yeah. within my studies at yeah. least mm. yeah okay brilliant um, does anyone have any last points that you want to add no okay great no, I think we've covered it um, well just a couple of things James is doing a blog about um, his office space called The Office um which is going to be which is already available on the build blog and will be he will be releasing a new one every week so that's something to look out for and sally mentioned earlier anthony beckett's seminar he did last year that's also available on the built website if anyone wants to watch that yeah so just visit um built.online and you'll find it on there well all right well thanks for listening um if anyone has any ideas for podcasts and wants to join us another time please just get in touch at builtinfo at bristol.ac.uk And thanks for listening. Bye.